Then they, being the Israelites, asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed Saul, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all, everybody says all, all my will of this man's offspring God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Now, let's go to the Old Testament. I know it's a bit difficult for some of us, but practice, make perfect. But Old Testament called Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 3. So we just read about King David, and most of you know about the story of King David. You know about him being chased all his life, in battles all his life, and we're going to talk more about that, and that he had a blessed life. He was the most successful king in the, in the world. At the time, he was a, that Israel became a global power. It was very influential, because of King David. Now, let's look at his great, 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 I don't know how many generations, great grandson, Amaziah. Second Chronicles 25, verse 1 to 3. Amaziah, actually, is it 1 to 3? Yes, was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehordan of Jerusalem. I think that's how you pronounce it, Jehordan. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And that's not the interesting part. The next line is very interesting. Yet, not with a whole heart. In some translation, it says not with a perfect heart. The key I want to drive down to this morning is not with a whole heart. You know, in the kingdom of God, and in anything we do in life, if we do the right thing, it may not yield the right results. You may be a Christian trying to do the right thing. You heard a sermon, you try to practice them and do the right thing. And yet, you don't see a result in your life. And the reason we don't see a result in our life is because of this issue of wholeheartedness. You know, last week, we spoke about the uh, uh, capacity-limiting factors in our life. You know, we spoke about the blessing of God is always on the pouring out. Even now, as I stand here and speak, He is pouring out His blessings over our lives. Each and every one of the, us are candidate to receive all the blessings of God. He doesn't withhold His blessing. He had, he had, he had kept pouring out his blessings since the day he wrote, rose from the dead, since the day he cried it's finished, since the days of Pentecost he kept pouring out his Holy Spirit and even now, today, right now as you sit, there is a blessing of God, there is an open heaven yet most of us cannot receive it, we don't realize it because there is a capacity problem we spoke about our capacity is actually the limiting factor of receiving all the goodness and the blessings of God, so we spoke and encourage people to think in their life what 
it is that in their life that has been limiting their capacity or their, uh, the factor that limits their capacity to receive as much as possible from God. And a number of you came up and pre- pre- being prayed for, and I believe the Holy Spirit had revealed to you uh, what it is that had been uh, holding you back or the l- capacity limiting factor that has been holding you back from f- receiving the fullness of God. And then I was thinking about that. I was, you know, meditating on that, and, and I, 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 I came to the Lord. I asked God, Lord, what is it that you want to reveal to us in this congregation, in among believers, those who are listening on the internet? What is it that you want to show us that is actually holding us back? What is this, this big problem that many Christians are facing that are holding us back? And he gave me an answer. The answer is our heart. Many of us are not able to receive all the blessings of God in the things that we do and the things that we put our hands on is because of a heart issue. Specifically, in the scripture we just read, it's our wholeheartedness issue. In other words, whatever we do, we can't seem to put our whole heart in it because we try to hedge. We just don't, we can't believe wholeheartedly because we worry that it might not work. But the scripture teaches us this. In James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, James is talking about if anybody who is lacking wisdom, you need more wisdom. In this case, talking about wisdom. He should ask God because God give what? Liberally. Does not God give liberally? He gives liberally. He gives generously without reproach. So why are, we not, why are we not receiving the things that we ask for? If we ask for wisdom, some of us ask for wisdom, you know. So maybe, maybe some of you are teenagers or, or going to university in high school. You ask for wisdom to get A's, you know, and yet you don't find it. You're any smarter today than two weeks ago when you asked for wisdom. What's the problem? That's what James continued to say. If a man asks for wisdom, God will give him generous, give, give generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Check this out. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now here, James is talking about faith. If you want to have faith in believing in God, have faith, listen, wholeheartedly. If you have faith just 10%, it won't work. The problem is wholeheartedness. The problem of us receiving the blessing of God is uh, the issue of wholeheartedness. Another one in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, 23. In this church, I mentioned it a lot. The Bible, Jesus taught about if a man's eyes is healthy, in other words, able to focus. Because if your eyes are not healthy, it's blurry. You see double pictures or triple pictures. But the Bible says if your eyes is healthy, actually the direct trans translation is if your eyes is single focus wholeheartedly not this that and the other thing but single then you'll be full of lights but if your eyes is not single you'll be all confused because you'll be full of darkness in other words things are not clear you've been asking God for things in your life you know you haven't heard an answer because you are not focused enough you're looking at this you're looking at that you try this you try that you do all the different things and it's not working why because it's not singleness of your heart that you have in other words your heart is not wholly wholly committed to what it is you're asking for we saw Amaziah he was a king he started doing well he started doing the right thing. 
The Word of God says that he did the right thing in the sight of God. And you would think he'd be blessed. But you know what the tragic end of Amaziah is? When Amaziah died, he was actually on the run from his own officials. He was in the hiding for five years. They found him and they killed him. He was around for 29 years, but for the, for the five years, last five years of his 29 years, he was on the run. You know why? Because if you will study his life, you know that he was doing the right thing just for right thing's sake. He wasn't doing it out of his heart. It wasn't perfect. He did not have his whole heart involved in doing it. So many Christians try to do the right thing and yet you see no results in your life. You know why? Because your heart is not in it. You can try to do the right thing all the time. Come to church every Sunday. Go to listen to Pastor Paul talking. Do the worship thing. You can do the right thing. Friends, if your heart is not in it, you won't see results. So Amaziah tried and tried. He tried to do the right thing. But when he was established, his heart started to be being revealed. He started to worship idols. He started to have bells in the temple of God. He started to divide his heart. But his heart wasn't perfect in the first place. It's always been divided. There are a lot of believers, you know, when they're in trouble, they come to God, oh God, I'll serve you with all my heart. I serve you, I serve you, I love you, I love you, and love you. And then they got a good job to pay I don't know, $100,000, you know. They got a nice car. They got a home now. And all of a sudden, once they establish the hearts being revealed. I'm not saying this to condemn you or judge you. Please. I'm saying this to encourage you. If you and I ever want to walk in the supernatural, want to walk by faith, you need to be willing to go all in. Everybody say all in. You need to be committed to go all in and wholeheartedly because then only then you will see miracles, signs and wonders. Some people ask me, how is it? How do I have faith all in? How do I commit myself all in? What, is, what kind of faith is it that will believe in God all in? I'll show you what it is. You know, uh, in Daniel chapter 3, verse 17 to 18. And we see that these three very successful Jewish boys, they, they, they honor God, they love God, but there was this amazing pressure, this incredible pressure for them to bend their will to the idols, to, to appease the king, to keep their positions. They had high positions. And these three young men called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three young men, they were, they were, they were determined in their heart to believe in God. And they will not bend their will to the pressure of society and the pressure of culture. Young people, listen to me. These three men I'm talking about, they were young people when the king and the official tried to force them to worship the idols. They were very extremely successful. But you know, under, this, under, the, under the possible threat of losing their job and even losing their lives, They've demonstrated how it is that we believe in God wholeheartedly. So they got caught. The people who were jealous of them 
found out that they didn't bow to the idols. They brought, they dragged them in before the king. And so they came before the king. The king gave them an opportunity. You can change your mind. You can bend your will just to worship me. It's, it's nothing anyways. It's just nothing. Don't worry about it. That's the problem a lot of us are facing today. Is that the culture, the worldly culture, the worldly system is trying to bend our faith, bend our will, tease us and entice us with all the goodies so that we will compromise our faith. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, do not, if you ever want to walk wholeheartedly with God, don't compromise your faith. Don't compromise your stand. Don't compromise what you believe in God for. The devil will always say, oh, it's okay. It's just a little bit. Nobody knows anyways. This week, we receive a notification from the government that we will have $35,000 for our summer camp. I told my staff, we're not taking the money. I told my staff, I will stand with my brethren because of this thing that forced churches to agree with with a system that is wrong against the Word of God. They want us to agree with them about abortion. They want to agree with us to agree with them about homosexuality. I'm not knocking people who are in homosexuality. I'm not, you know, the grace of God will reach them. God will change trans from them. And it's not a place to condemn and judge them. But it's the Word of God. The Word of God says it is a sin and therefore it is a sin. And you know, it's not going to stop me to love them. I will love them, but I'll tell you this, it's still a sin in the eyes of God. So I told my staff, we have to write a letter to tell them, thank you so much for wonders. Give us money. We can't take it. We cannot take it. You know, the $35,000 would have helped us to pay for all the kids that want to have a summer job. Here last year, we paid for 10 summer job positions. This year, I was telling Pastor Young, who was organizing the camp, so what if we don't get paid? You tell the kids if they want to serve God. Encourage them to expect nothing. But God might surprise us. He will surprise you. He will surprise you. He will surprise you. It's very tempting, isn't it? People will say, oh, it's for, it's for a good cause. But when our culture is trying to bend our will to whatever system they have, this is the time to demonstrate that we wholeheartedly believe in the Word of God. I am not a Bible thumper, whatever that means. I may be an iPad thumper. I'm not a Bible thumper. I don't judge people. I don't condemn people. I will never judge people unless I have an opportunity to walk in their shoes for a mile because I've never had that. So I don't judge. And I tell the people in this congregation, none of us have a right to judge anyone. It is God that is going to change them. It is God that is going to transform them. Not our words. Our only responsibility is to love on people. But I will tell you this, if you and I want to walk 
in the full blessings of God. If you and I want to walk in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then we have to stand strong wholeheartedly. You know, they threw the three guys into the furnace fire, remember? Guess what? Jesus showed up. There's a fourth person. The Word of God said, there's another Son of Man. That's what Jesus called himself, Son of Man. Walking around in them. Many of us wonder why Jesus hasn't shown up in our circumstances. Why hasn't he shown up in my crisis? I want to ask you this question with all the love in the world. Have you considered to walk wholeheartedly in your faith? I'm not saying you haven't, but I'm asking you to consider. Have you believed in God wholeheartedly? Hebrew chapter 12, 11, 12, it mentions about all this great uh, cloud of witnesses, champions and heroes of our faith. These are the people that have turned the world upside down. Many of them, the Bible says, perished without seeing their prayer being answered. I ask you this. Does your faith says, I will believe in you no matter what. See, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told the king, we are not going to bow to your culture. You can go ahead and throw us in the furnace. And if you do that, we know our God is going to save us. That's an amazing statement of faith. But it's nothing compared to what they're going to say next. Because the next one is actually, truly the statement of faith. Even if he doesn't show up, even if he doesn't show up, we will still not bow to your idols. That's a wholehearted faith that will move mountains. I'm a bit strong this morning, aren't I? Amen. I'll put a smile on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is good. The grace of God is amazing, you know. Because it is. Many of us are struggling in different areas of our life. Let me tell you this. No successful person in this world ever achieve anything, whether it's in faith or otherwise. None of them ever achieve anything that is significant half-heartedly. It needs to be lock, stock, and barrel. Everything. You see, we're living in a culture of tremendous compromise. Just, just a compromise is the, the thing of the day. In fact, if you are not compromising, you are extremist. Are you here this morning? If you stand up for your faith, then they say you are an extremist. Because they want all of us to compromise. And you know, the devil has been so, so tricky, perverting, non-compromising position 
with people bombing and killing people. And it painted a picture of wholeheartedness with insanity. Are you here? All those crazies, they say. And then they lump us all together. Especially those who do not want to compromise our faith. We don't have to bomb anybody. We don't have to kill anybody. We don't go threaten people's life. Just because we stand up for our truth. Just because we don't want to go out drinking and get drunk with them. Just because we want to come to church every Sunday. It bothers them. And they call us crazies. They call us extremists. They lump us together with ISIS and Al-Qaeda and crazy people and, and whatever. Timothy McVeigh who bombed whatever in Oklahoma. They, they lump us all together with those Nazis and so forth. They have made integrity, wholeheartedness, something to be mocked at. These are the hours that will separate champions from regular folk. Come on. This is the time, an opportunity for us to say, I will be counted as the one who believe in God wholeheartedly. And that faith of wholeheartedness will bring great, great results. I was going to title this sermon, Embracing Process, yet I haven't even talked about process yet. That was just my introduction. And it's 12 o'clock. So we do part two, okay? Let me tell you a little bit what it is I'm going to talk about. One of the reasons why we cannot believe in God wholeheartedly is because, number one, some of us have been hurt. When you are hurt, when your heart is shattered, when the heart is broken, you need to see that heal. And God wants to heal you. He's not here to judge you or condemn you. He's here to heal you. You may have been betrayed. You went all in for your, for your spouse and then he or she betrayed you. So your heart is broken. It's all broken. You trusted somebody that you thought he really truly supposed to love you and they violated you and it's broken. And God wants to heal that. He's not an unreasonable God. He wants to heal those brokenness of your heart. And if you would let him, he will heal you. There are issues in life, experiences that you have that have caused you to be broken and shattered and so you're not trusting anymore. You cannot trust and you cannot believe. You're worried and another reason is that there, some of us have been, have been believing in God for something and we haven't seen anything and the world has been telling us you need to learn how to hedge yourself. Don't go down this road. Just don't, just don't be so narrow-minded because you're going to get hurt. You're going to miss out and so we, we, we've decided not to trust in God wholeheartedly, but to hedge yourself with something else, just in case this route of faith is not going to work. That's why we can't trust wholeheartedly. But friends, faith, when it comes to faith, is either you go all the way or you don't go at all. Now some of us are in a situation where we can't go all the way, but God loves you. You need to learn and pray and ask God to lead you 
to the place where you can wholeheartedly believe in Him in spite of disappointments. Many of us who have been Christian for a long time, we have been disappointed way too many times. The Word of God says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Nobody wants their heart to get sick all the time. You know, you hope for something, you hope for something, and it didn't happen. And you feel sick in your heart. You go, Nobody wants that feeling. It's, it's terrible. But God wants to heal that heart and wants to give you hope again and cause you to have the strength to believe. Go all in. There's some of us that cannot give our heart wholeheartedly is because our heart has not been trained properly. Our heart has not been through the process to become a strong. You know, I noticed the generation of my children, I mean, I thank God that they, they suffer less than I. They do. I mean, I used to, you hear all my poor stories already, some of you, right? I don't have to repeat myself. But my children don't have to go through that. But there's a concern in my heart. That because they're going to sail through life with such ease and their heart has not been trained properly, they would not know how to go all in. They have never been tested. I really pray that God will give us wisdom and patience to go through the process of having our hearts being tested and challenged. The difference between David and Amaziah is this. David was the one who established a kingdom. All his sons and grandsons, all they do is just take over. Their hearts has never been tried properly. David's heart was always being tried in battles. He was always running for his life. From the day that he was a shepherd, he had to fight with beasts to the day that he became king, even to the last moment. Sword has never left his family. He had to keep running for his life. Those challenges in crisis became processes that made him what he is. Many of us cannot go wholeheartedly because there are issues in life. There's issues of, of a heart that needs to be dealt with. I want to talk about that more next week. But this week I want to focus on wholeheartedly. I asked the Lord this week, what is my, when is the limiting factor in my capacity to receive all that He has? He told me, He said, are you wholeheartedly in your faith? Or do you hedge yourself? It really spoke to me. Because I have to tell you, sometimes I'm frankly kind of afraid that it might not work out. So I, my heart is wondering, hmm, what should I do? 
the more wholeheartedly you are to the cause, to the ministry, to the career, to the relationship you are, the more success you will see. Those students, university students, high school students, the reason you're not getting your A's is because your heart is not in it. Because if your heart is wholly in it, it's easy to get A's. If you're wondering why your relationship is not working, something is just not working. If you look back at all the things that you have suffered failures from, I can almost guarantee you most of them were because our heart was not in all in. Why are Christians' faith not growing as fast? Because over time, we started to share our heart with something else. You know, Christian believers, when they first got saved, experienced the grace of God, they're really excited about their faith. And so they grow the most. But over time, things crept in and share our hearts. And we can't say we are serving God wholeheartedly because we can be so many things are pulling us in so many di different directions. I say this to the team and my staff. I'm going to say this to the volunteers this morning. I want to say this to you and those of you who were not in the volunteer service this morning. May this season, starting from today, the first day of May, the first day of May, that every single one of us decide to never do things half-heartedly. I was telling a brother, I don't know where he is, if he's around, sorry I'm using example, love you anyways. He said he goes to multiple churches. I'm glad that he loves God. But I said to him, pick one and go full throttle. You'll go a lot further. Then go to multiple churches. Try this, try that. One reason why Christians are not succeeding as much as they do in this modern culture is because we treat commitment in our faith, in our service to God in a local church like a restaurant. There's no wholeheartedness. If you say anything that I don't like, I'm going to pick up and go. You know, they say loyalty are tested every seven years in any organization, any relationship. Loyalty are always tested, tested every seven years. For some of you who have been here over seven years, you know loyalty to this church has been tested and you have overcome and you'll become strong. Some of you have been tested for twice because over 14 years you've been here. Some of you have been here over 15 years. And I hope 20, and by the time the church gets to 21 years, some of you can say, I've been tested three times, maybe even more with this kind of pastor talking, you know, sometimes offend people. Talk about myself. How many can be loyal? It's the same questions as how many people can be faithful wholeheartedly. Christians are so easily offended by so little things. How can they say they are serving God wholeheartedly? How can they say they're giving 
all that they have wholeheartedly. You will never see great fruits with a half-hearted commitment. I'm so sorry if I offended you. You go so go so much further. You know, in this church, if a group of us decided that it didn't work the first year or first two years, we packed the bag, you wouldn't be sitting here today. Because a group of people believe in God and His calling, we stuck around. Yes, there are people that had to move on because life happened, so they have to move on. That, that's fine. But there are many people who left because they were offended. God loves them, but I'll tell you this. If you leave this place offended, you'll be offended again somewhere else. Because human is human. If this pastor can offend you, any pastor can offend you. Are you here this morning? The first few years might be great, but you'll be tested on the seventh year. But let's make a commitment as a congregation for those of you who call this your house. That whatever you choose to do, especially in your faith walk with the Lord, especially in your commitment in ministry, I was telling the worship team, you know, if you want to do this, do it with all your heart. If you don't want to do it, we're still going to love you like crazy and we're not going to judge you. But for your sake and the team's sake, step aside. It's true for every ministry. Do it with all your heart. Because when you do that, you will see that your life will flourish. Your ministry will flourish in spite of if nobody shows up in your ministry. Nobody will pay attention to you. You've been ignored by the leader. But if you do it with all your heart, you can be assured that your life will blossom. Your ministry will blossom. Your faith will blossom. Everything that you seek God for, everything you put your hands on will succeed. It will become gold and God will bless you. You have victory after victory after victory. This is the Word of God for you this morning.